0: Hello! Welcome to the Find Your Calm Podcast. I'm Noelle C. Guevara, and through my work as a pastor, educator, and writer, I've come alongside and helped people find their calm as they navigate faith and family and being a person in this chaotic life. Here's the truth. I don't know how to avoid chaos or how to prevent the anxiety that chaos inevitably causes, but I have had more than a little practice in finding my calm when life beckons anxiety instead. If you're looking for space to take a deep breath, steady yourself, and discern what you need to move forward, you're right where you belong. Listen in for a few simple tips to find your calm and take your next faithful steps forward. If you've spent any time in church or perhaps even around Christians, you've likely heard the phrase, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. I imagine your pastor has inserted this phrase into a sermon at some point, Bonus points if it was this month. While I think the spirit of the phrase is to pivot towards a fresher take on Christianity that's free of legalism and focused on the life lived in relationship with Jesus, I'm not sure the phrase accurately reflects the reality of the modern evangelical church. I don't know your church, and I don't pretend to speak for every pastor and leadership team, but I have more than a little experience in the -the behind-the-scenes work of cultivating church culture. My husband and I have traded off pastoring in four different churches in as many cities, as well as a few other parachurch ministries. There are certainly church cultures that focus overtly on behavior, what you wear, who you hang out with, where you can and can't spend your free time, how to kiss, dating, goodbye. Listen, high control, legalistic church culture reeks of religion in the worst way possible. Run away. And I do think that the modern church has made some healthy strides away from those toxic tendencies. There truly is a deeper focus on a relationship with Jesus over religious rules and regulations. But religion, by definition, is a belief system in a higher power or a deity or in the case of Christianity in God. Your pastor likely is not interested in jettisoning the whole belief system encouraging you to just have a relationship with Jesus without any formed beliefs in who Jesus is and what Jesus is calling you to. Honestly, that would be irresponsible leadership. Religion is also, though, a set of expectations. Call them rules. Call them practices. Call them traditions. Potato, potato. The nuances matter, to be sure, but regardless of how those expectations are expressed, the reality is that they are there. If you disagree, or if you're just unsure if your church, assuming you attend one, has some expectations, listen to the announcement lineup and check their social media page. What can't you miss? What will change your life? What should be part of your new year rhythms? Again, this is not necessarily a bad thing. Without some agreed upon expectations, a community of any kind, faith community included, would devolve into chaos. But be sure of this, if you ascribe to a faith system or a church or a religion, there are expectations. Here's an example. A church I was on staff at used to talk about the ratio of, uh, of faith, mature faith specifically to blocks of time. So we would say that a committed follower of Jesus who attended our church should dedicate one block of time to church whether that was attending um, like a weekend service or being involved in a small group. A mature follower of Jesus who attended our church, we would say, would dedicate two or more blocks of time, attending both weekly services and a small group, and then hopefully serving in some area as well. Those expectations, they came from a good place. We truly believed that gathering with faith community and worship, meeting with the smaller community to do life, as we say, and grow in faith, And stewarding gifts to serve within the church would be life-giving. Those relationships and the rhythms would cultivate the relationship that someone had with Jesus. I've experienced many of these things as life-giving over the years. In addition, we preached sermons on regular rhythms of prayer, Bible reading, and other spiritual disciplines. Again, this is very typical, even biblical, and all churches talk about these things in some way or another. Okay, flashback. Growing up, I remember singing this song. Uh, It went something like, uh, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Do you guys remember singing that song? You'd like squat and grow. Okay, I digress. Here's the reality, or maybe it's the hot take. I don't think my church or your church really buys into the idea that faith is just about a relationship with Jesus. The truth is that our spiritual lives should, of course, be centered on a thriving relationship with Jesus, who knows and loves you and wants good things for you. Scripture tells us that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. We are invited to simply abide in him, allowing him to grow good fruit in our lives. But even abiding is active. And just like there are rhythms that help build muscle, there are also rhythms that help keep us connected to the vine abiding in Jesus, growing good fruit. On a recent weekend, I sat and I listened to a sermon where the pastor described the way a vineyard employs trellises to help a vine flourish. Without the trellis, the branches would droop on the ground, but fruit would continue to grow because the branches remained in the vine. However, the fruit may be spoiled or trampled. The branches wouldn't thrive. Let's return to the idea of religion involving expectations. Toxic religion will have controlling rules and regulations that will lead to guilt and shame. It will often expect perfection. Whereas healthy religion will have rhythms that lead to freedom and flourishing, it will instead expect growth. Most churches find themselves oscillating somewhere on the continuum. Expectations aren't bad. It depends on how you manage them, really. I talked about this in my last podcast episode, in fact. Now, you certainly can avoid religion entirely and just do the relationship thing. Quit the church, embrace open-ended beliefs, and follow Jesus. You can also quit it all. I'm not the boss of you. But if you can't or won't quit the habit and love the rhythms of religion on some level, attending church, learning how to read and interpret scripture, gathering with friends who desire to do the same, then make some peace with religion. It's fine. Jesus managed to do the same, albeit he did more or less start a new religion entirely. I'm with Jesus on this one, both in the sense that I'm trying to live this life with Jesus and in the sense that I'm not ready to ditch religion altogether, but I would like to shake it up a little bit. What I know about the modern expression of religion in the form of the evangelical church is that it is far, far, far too prone to abuse, to control, and to infantilize the sheep it's called a shepherd. When Jesus said, on this rock, I'll build my church, I doubt he envisioned a 501c3 where pastors make six-figure salaries and engage best practice marketing strategies to boost signups for small groups. Church has changed, and in some ways, it really has had to being all things to all people and such, but in stepping out of ministry, or scratch that, and being eliminated from ministry, I've had the chance to sort through suitcases of my religion. I've inventoried the expectations, and I'll continue to do so. Here's the part where I tell you I haven't figured it all out yet, but here in the middle of the mess, suitcases Splayed open and items strewn all over the floor, I've already determined some parts of my religion I'm ready to lose and which I'm holding on to, at least today. Consider this my ins and outs list of 2024 religious edition. Here's what's going in the metaphorical suitcase moving forward. First, faith community. Today, here in January of 2024, that includes a church with a weekly service. It's a rhythm that's comforting and familiar, even as it's led me to a place that wounded me. Rich Valotis uh, often talks about how we are both wounded and healed in community. Sometimes we need to leave the scene of the crime. The place where we were wounded cannot always be the place where we will heal. So then we're invited to do the work of finding the community that will give us space to heal. My oldest daughter faced enough harm in a specific church for her therapist to tell her it would be dangerous to return. Honestly, I thought that would be it for her. We love to paint Gen Z as flighty and quick to quit the hard things, first and foremost, the church. But with the door closed to her, she walked straight into another door thrown wide open for her. And so when a door closed for me, I followed her through that door too. It's been hard I have a lot of feelings in church these days, and y'all know I don't really like feelings. (laughs) It's not my thing, but I am realizing Jesus sat in church with some feelings too, and I feel him present beside me in that pew, sun streaming through stained glass windows, reminding me that broken things are his kind of thing. Faith community also encompasses friends who hold space for hard words and big feelings, preferably around tables with heaping plates of food I didn't cook. We are asking questions and sticking with the wrestling, even if it doesn't bring answers. In these expressions, I will carry faith community forward with me. Also in my suitcase are spiritual practices. I'm struggling to sit with the same Bible reading plans that once sprung off of the page, and I'll talk more about that in the out section. But I'm exploring new practices that weren't necessarily part of my church tradition And I feel like a withered branch propped up on a trellis, life flowing back through me again. The baby fruit starting to grow is giving me hope that the God I abide in hasn't abandoned me after all. I just got a little way down in the mud there for a minute. The last thing I'm retrofitting and carrying forward is my pastor hat. It's a weird thing to have a job that you both love, but is also your life your faith and friends and family and fulfillment are all housed in the same space and sometimes that's healthy and sometimes that's something called enmeshment there's no clear line where one thing begins and another ends in losing my title it was like a death i lost not only my job but my community my weekday rhythms and my weekend rhythms and it impacted my family in profound ways I used to teach preschool and when I moved and left that job, my family was like 2% impacted and my life carried on largely like normal, but kind friends and an excellent therapist have reminded me in this season that the things I loved and was good at with my pastor hat on can be cultivated in new spaces. I loved, loved talking about God's word and helping people find a way to engage with it in a life giving way. This Christmas, I put out an Advent devotional and the joy I found in helping people all over the world, not just read scripture, but thrive in a whole rhythm of spiritual practices was immeasurable. And I realized I don't want to stop. So one way I'll wear my pastor hat moving forward is in putting out another resource this time for Lent. It's out, it's available. And this time I roped in a couple of collaborators that I've missed working with so much. I'm going to share a little bit uh, more about that at the end, but pastor hat in the suitcase. A few things I'm losing, leaving out, not carrying forward with me. So I've already referenced this, but I walked out of a church and faith community and lost friends in the process. It was hard. I hated it. I hate it still. I wanted to fight for some of those things, but sometimes growth requires some pruning. There was hurt and harm and abuse that would choke out life and thwart healing. I'm still grieving the things left behind, but there are things that will run me from the background if I don't let them go. Deep breaths. Jesus knows loss and carries me through. I'm also leaving out some rhythms and attitudes around spiritual practices. The formula of read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow is a modern concept, at least in its current iteration. While I value and still spend time in God's word, I'm approaching it a little bit differently. Some days I listen, Lectio Divina style. Some days I meditate on just a verse, perhaps recalling one from memory. And some days I forgo it for another practice entirely. Do you know there are so many of them, whole books of ways to practice the presence of God? I am leaning into the contemplative and out of the rigid. I'm noticing God everywhere instead of boxing him up at a morning devotional time. This might all sound a little suspicious from someone who is pivoting to write resources for spiritual formation, but I think my own experience is pushing me to create resources that look and feel a little different from the typical devos or Bible studies. Not better, just different, more wide open space for the Holy Spirit to breathe new life. Instead of filling all that space with plans that can be checked off. I could tell you it's Less religion and more relationship, but we all know how I feel about that tweetable phrase. The last thing I'm leaving out is certainty, in the sense that religion is a set of beliefs. I think that the temptation of religious leaders is to make sure they communicate well-packaged, clearly defined beliefs, and success is when people buy them hook, line, and sinker, or repost them on the socials. Looking at you series graphic with pastor quote in trendy font. Religious leaders or churches even break these things down into orthodoxy, theology, and orthopractice, how we apply theology to our actions. So we're not left wondering what to do with this belief we're meant to be sure of. I'm not saying I'm going full deconstruction and adopting relativism, but there are very few things I am or need to be certain of in my faith. I am certain God is real and near and at work. I'm curious about who God is and what God is like and how He's working, even now, to make everything new. I am certain I want to know and follow Jesus. I'm curious what that looks like in my day to day life. You get the idea. Leaving out certainty is less about living uncertain and more about living without the need for certainty. I can wrestle with the question and remain grounded. I can push back on a familiar theology as I find my bearings. I can be uncomfortable and not fight for an idea just because it's comfortable. I can move forward, even with uncertainty in my baggage. Which leaves me curious, how are you navigating your religion and your relationship? What's worth losing, and what will you carry forward? As you consider those questions and the next faithful steps forward in this new year, I'll invite you to close with a spiritual practice of letting go. Let's begin with a prayer of release. Settle into a comfortable position and close your eyes if you can. Inhale deeply, breathing in God's presence. Exhale slowly, releasing all distractions. Continue with deep breaths, tuning into God's presence, trusting that God is as close as your very breath. your religion or perhaps your former religion if you've already placed it in the outspile, pile as if it's a suitcase full of items open it up take out the items one by one what expectations are folded up and tucked inside are they expectations placed on you things you've been told you should do or ways you've been told to behave Are they expectations you place on yourself, standards or limits, do's and don'ts, messages about who you are and what you should do? Consider also the weekly rhythms, the daily practices, the ways of being a person of faith in the world. And if religion is in your rearview mirror, don't opt out here. Consider the things you left behind or avoided. There may be something in there that can still be thrifted or repurposed in some new way. It might look different. It might serve a new function if you let it. For right now, hold those items in your mind's eye, running your hands over them, feeling their weight, noticing their patterns. Pause on an item that catches your attention, name it, and notice the feelings it brings up. Is it joy? Sadness? Shame? Curiosity? Ask God to show you if this piece of your religion is something to take with you Or leave behind for now no pressure to throw it in the incinerator if that helps you may choose to return to it someday in the future or not but for now consider if this item feels more like a trellis that will lift you up allowing for abundance and flourishing or does it feel heavy and dead in need of pruning if you've been told not to trust your emotions this may feel uncomfortable and even dangerous but trust this When you invite God into your emotions and create space to listen to his voice, he can speak through your feelings and even your body. So follow those feelings. Pay attention to your own body and discern if this item, this practice or rhythm or standard is something you'll carry forward or leave behind. If appropriate, thank this thing for serving you well in the past or for serving as a placeholder for something better in the future trust that God works all things for good. As you have time throughout your week, I'd encourage you to continue sorting through the items in your proverbial suitcase. Discern how you'll keep and lose your religion, or at least the things your religion has handed you. Thank you for joining me today and hearing my confessions on religion and the things I'll carry forward and leave behind. I hope you were able to unburden yourself to get your bearings, find your focus, and begin to enjoy, or at least truly experience that life that's within and around you. If you are looking for a next faithful step forward in religion or relationship with Jesus, and the ideas I shared today spark curiosity or resonated with you, I have a new resource that might be worth putting in the ins pile of 2024. It's a Lent study called Unexpected Jesus. So Lent is the season that leads up to Easter from Ash Wednesday through Holy Week, and observing the season simply creates some space for us to turn towards God. I co-wrote this study with two brilliant friends, Heidi Rodert, who is a spiritual director in training, and Madeline Elmer, who is an expert in early childhood development. Together, we created what I hope will be a life-giving collection of rhythms for you and your family. Pinch me, I'm so excited we're able to offer a family resource. Each week, there are multiple pathways to choose from scripture, spiritual practices, journal prompts, and family activities. All these things are invitations to bring your curiosity to the words and actions of Jesus and discover what the unexpected things have to show us. You can find out more by finding Heidi or Maddie or myself on Instagram or by going to noelcgevara.com slash Lent. I hope this resource serves as a trellis to support your growth and flourishing in this season. Life is chaotic. We know this to be true, but even in the midst of chaos, you can find your calm and take your next faithful steps forward.